Michelle. I am your host of Purifier Creatives. I'm really happy to have Catherine Knight here with me today. Uh, I am going to tell you a little bit about Catherine. Um, she grew up in Columbia, South Carolina. She received a BA in studio art from Center College in Danville, Kentucky, and an MFA in painting from American University in Washington, DC. She has completed additional studies at the School of Art Institute of Chicago and the Slade School of Fine Art in London. Her work has been exhibited internationally and she currently teaches painting at Montgomery College in Silver Spring, Maryland and lives in Washington, DC with her family. So welcome to the show, Catherine. Thanks, Raquel. It's so My good to be here. Pleasure. I'm so happy to have you here. Yeah, this is great. Thank you. <laughs> sure. Um, all right, let's just jump right in. Um, okay. Tell me a little bit about where you started and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, so I was one of those kids that knew right away from like day one that I wanted to be an artist. And I was really lucky. My parents were very supportive. And um, I had an assignment in middle school where we had to find someone sort of with our dream job and ask them how they got there, which was such Ooh. a great assignment. Yeah, I think about it all the time. So my, I interviewed um, the high school art teacher, not the middle school art teacher, but the high uh -huh. school art teacher. <laughs> and um, I asked her kind of what to do. And she really laid out like two very clear paths. Um, and I picked one and followed it kind of single-mindedly. <laughs> um, That's awesome. Yeah, so I, I knew that I wanted to be an artist and that I wanted to teach um, at the college level, and I'm not disappointed. I love it so much. Um, so yeah, I've, just, I've been marching in that direction ever since. Fabulous. Like, the, I, I'm always, somebody that I interviewed the other day said that they got their first federal job in high school. Yeah. And I'm like, what that even happen? Like, <laughs> Like that's like like so it's always I love hearing these stories of like people who just went like, for it yeah yep they're like to that's the, the direction and that's where I'm going to the point where like you know there's times in my life when I had to just get like a job job and I made sure to get jobs that I would hate so that I wouldn't get comfortable there smart <laughs> smart yeah, yeah so I had a string of like really unpleasant waitressing jobs and like restaurants where I hated the food <laughs> 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 where, I so, would never eat this <laughs> yeah and then people would ask for recommendations but I would always just pick the most expensive thing on the menu <laughs> be like go awful. to another restaurant <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's so. genius that's funny okay um can you tell me a little bit about what inspires you? Yeah, that's such a funny question. Um, I think I've always been inspired by the figure and narrative. Um, I was a dancer and a figure skater growing up. Um, my, both of my parents are very literary, so I grew up in a a, like a storytelling household and they read books and we, uh, my, my husband jokes that we have the Shakespeare quote of the day. We have to, we reference him at least once. <laughs> so, you know, figure narrative storytelling was always um, in the, in the background. Uh, and the, the farther sort of away I get from school, there's two things. So, so there's the figure and the narrative, which interests me, but I also just enjoy the process of making things that was actually sort of problematic in grad school where I just wanted to be in my studio making things and they kept saying, what's your content? What's your content? I'm like, I, I don't know. I just want to make stuff. So I, um, so I find that I, I'm driven just by sort of the materials and the experience of being in my studio working on stuff. And I'm constantly having to ask myself, like, what am I going to make now? Like I got to kick the, the can down the road again. So I'm always mining um, my, experiences my family life for sort of excuses to make things uh -huh. so let me let me ask you like uh so what do you do when you <laughs> encounter a student who is like i don't know i just like to make things what do you what do you tell them now 
Yeah. So I do one of two things. I'm either really honest with them and I'm like, I struggle with this too. Um, just keep making stuff. Do you know, like if you want to paint with blue, paint with blue and, and be open to the process and see what occurs to you. Uh, I've done with classes before kind of mindfulness me meditation where mm -hmm. we sit for five minutes and we breathe and not, you try to think of nothing with the knowledge that you're going to fail <laughs> and that you, and that you pay attention to the things that you do wind up thinking about while trying to think of nothing. And I'm, and then we say, okay, apply that to your painting practice, you know, like just make something and be open to the ideas that occur to you while you're making something. Um, and then there's that great Chuck Close quote that I can't remember it exactly, but it's like amateurs wait for inspiration the rest of us just show up and get to work so i pull that out a lot that's one of the things i'll do the other thing i'll do is like totally fake it <laughs> like i'll just regurgitate advice from other people and i i think um you know like let's let's look at this famous artwork and see if there's anything there i also uh -huh. sometimes in my upper level classes have students um keep let's see, what do we do? I call it the visual influences project where they spend two weeks just collecting sources. Um, mm. Think like, it's sort of like the mindfulness thing where you're, you're sort of out in the world and you just document whatever catches your eye for a couple of weeks. And that could be the sunset, a color palette that you encounter like in a fashion magazine or whatever mm. it is. And then you pull it all together in some place like a sketchbook or um, anymore, it's often digital, like a folder of files on your phone mm -hmm. or something, or a Pinterest board. A lot of people use Pinterest. And then when you're stuck, you, you, you look at that and you try to find mm -hmm. common themes and think, oh, oh I'm really interested in um, nostalgia from the 50s and all my color mm -hmm. palettes are kind of those things. So um, yeah, I, I have a number of things that I do when people get yeah. stuck. I, that's how I chose my uh, wedding engagement ring. Is nice. I, couldn't, I, I was like, I couldn't figure out, like I was stumped. Like I was like, I, I don't know, I don't yeah. know. And I literally went home from being overwhelmed with like looking. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I just went online and was like, like that, like that, like that. And then like, and I'm like, oh, okay. So you know, I like classic, like there, yeah. occasionally there was an outlier, but I was like, okay, so nine out of 10 of them are not. Checking and with the design classes, sometimes I'll even do one step further where they'll journal and, you know, we talk about the elements of design and we, I'm like, okay, I want you to look at your influences, forget all of the content, like maybe you love puppies and kittens, forget yeah. everything you know about puppies and kittens and just write about the shapes, the colors, the textures, the lines, um, and then make a piece that does all of that, but doesn't include puppies and kittens or whatever. Ah, like okay. Uh -huh. You know, like as a way to get them to break it down even farther. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cause I, when I'm teaching, like, I'm always like shape, 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 forget what it mm -hmm. is. Cause I like, I call my dominant hand, the hand of assumption. Oh, that's like so it, good. Yeah. Like it, it yeah. thinks it, it, it's, it's got ego. It thinks it knows everything. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then the, the, the non-dominant hand is my hand of curiosity. And so do you draw with both hands? Do you work with both hands? I do. I, I don't consistently, um, uh -huh. but there will be certain marks that I just feel like I can't make with my dominant hand that mm -hmm. like if I use my non-dominant hand, it slows me down mm -hmm. enough to actually really look. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm using, you know, my, my regular hand, um, it really will, um, I'll just, I'll just make assumptions. Like, I know, I know what that is. And then I'll yeah. look down and I'll go, what is that? That's what not what that? I see, you know? Oh, that's amazing. I'm going to steal yeah. that. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> um, all right. Let's see. Uh, what is the best advice that you've ever gotten? So I was thinking about this question and I, I have like, I have three. <laughs> okay three best advices. So uh -huh. the first one was from my dad when I was probably in high school. And um, as I said, I, my parents were very supportive, but I was sort of nervous about admitting to them that I wanted to study art in college um, for whatever reason. And so I, I sort of, I, my dad and I were having a heart to heart. And I was like, dad, I think I want to study art in college. And he was like, Catherine, when you become an adult, you will spend 80% of your waking life at your work. And if you 
are not happy in your work, then 80% of your waking life will be miserable. So go for it. <laughs> and I was That's like, awesome. yes, thanks, Dad. It was, it was great. Um, but then they, they insisted that I have a fallback, that I double major in something uh-huh. more marketable. <laughs> that was like, that was sort of their one caveat, which was, which was good advice. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the first one. And then I guess the advice that I got from that middle school teacher would also be a high school teacher, I should say from that assignment that I did in middle school would be in there. And then there were, there were two times after school um, when I got really good advice and it was when I got rejected from things, two things that I really wanted. (laughs) So the first one was um, when I got rejected from the grad program I wanted to go to. And if the, the rejection letter, if it, if I had gotten like a standard rejection letter, I probably would never have done this, but I, I got like a form letter that made it sound like it was my GPA that was the problem. And so I just called them to be like, Hey, like, I can't do anything about my GPA, which was great. By the way, I had amazing grades, <laughs> but I was like, is this really the problem? Like, hey, everyone, just so you hey, know, just so you know, I had great grades. Um, which was why it was puzzling. Yeah. So I right. basically I called and I was like, I was really, I really want to attend this program. Is it worth reapplying? Like I can't fix mm-hmm. my transcript, but I can fix these other things. And I was expecting like a simple yes or no answer. But what I got was the chair of the department got my application, sat down with me for like an hour on the phone. Oh, this wow. person uh-huh. that he had just rejected and he went through my application sort of point by point, And it turned out and this was the same thing that happened with my second example was that I just didn't know how to put together an application. Like it wasn't anything wrong with my grades or the work. I just kind of missed how, like how to do it. So he, he, he gave me some things to work on, gave me some great pointers about putting together an application and I did all of that. And then I got in the second time. And the other example was um, after grad school, when I was applying for full-time teaching positions and um, again, there was one that I really wanted and I didn't get it. And I called and actually I emailed and I found the email the other day and I was, I just said, um, you know, thank you so much for your thoughtful response. If you have the time, I would love to be a stronger applicant in the future. And I would love some feedback. Same thing. The woman who was in charge of the search committee, um, she was like, I can't talk to you about the specifics of the search committee, but I can give you some general pointers. And mm-hmm. again, I just didn't understand what I was applying for mm-hmm. a full-time academic position is so much more than just teaching. And she really clued me into the, um, you know, departmental service and research mm-hmm. component and blah, 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 blah. And, um, yeah. So the next time I applied, I used her advice and I landed that job. Yeah. So thank you. Random people who helped me. <laughs> but you know, like, and the thing is, is like when people like actually take the time to like give you that feedback, mm-hmm. You, it just makes you that I think like, oh my gosh, yeah, I really do want to go there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because yes. you're like, they care about people. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, and, and it's, and, and it's funny though. Cause like when I listen to you, I think like about there's certain instances where the rejection just doesn't sit right. Like there's something wrong. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, like there's, there's something wrong that I was rejected Mm-hmm. And, and so to take it a step further and, and get that feedback is, I think yeah. is, it's, it's critical. You it's know? also a way to stave off like crushing depression. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, uh, what, like my whole, I had, I had, there's like a whole, a year long hole in my life before I can resubmit these applications. Like I need some steps. I need something I can work on so that I'm not just going to like wallow in rejection. So. Right. Right. And the thing is, is like, you don't want to experience it again. And so, mm-hmm. you know, like, like if you can suss out, cause it really is, it's the same thing in school, figuring out what um, I'll say systems the teachers have. Mm-hmm. And so really it'd be like, how do I adjust myself to deliver what the teacher is expecting? Same thing yeah. with bosses. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that, yeah. it was so fun for two years. I got to teach our um, professional practice class at Montgomery College. And I was like, okay, everybody sit down. I'm going to tell you all these things. It took me like 20 years to learn. And I, I, I just, I'm like, you're not going to appreciate this because you don't know how it is to not have this information going forward. But right. I was very enthusiastic about teaching that class. 
<laughs> they were like, we're all a little afraid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I do, I think like anything that you can do, um, like I'm going to say to shorten the learning curve, mm -hmm. you know, and share out there, I think so much the better. Why make people suffer, right? Right, right. And also, I don't know how much your listeners know about Montgomery College, but it's a community college and it's, you know, like a tiny fraction of the price of expensive art schools. Um, so, so I just, I feel so passionate about like really giving people as big a leg up as we can. I think that's part of our mission is to be like, to really equip them with what they need to succeed and not stumble through the time consuming roadblocks mm -hmm. that the rest of us, many of us. Well, face. you know, I, uh, <laughs> when I first heard, I think it was, I think it was, uh, Pablo was taking mm -hmm. classes with you all. Mm -hmm. And, and I just saw like how invested, like everybody was in his yeah. success. Do you mm -hmm. know? And, and I have, you know, I went for a brief time to a community college down in Virginia beach. Um, long story. I dropped out of college, you know, mm -hmm. had to find my way back. Yeah. And, um, and I will tell you, um, I love the teachers that were there because of the fact they clearly wanted to be there. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm just doing this because I have to. It's, I think, unusual to be in an environment where it seems everyone's invested. Yeah. And I think that Montgomery uh, College has that. I, I think yeah. that it's very clear you guys want people to do well. Yeah. Like, we're kind if of if I'd known about it when I was young, I would have gone. <laughs> Come with us. Yeah, we're sort of maniacal about it. I don't know the other campuses as well, but we have a really good group on our campus. And mm -hmm. we are always putting our heads together being like, how can we, what can we do now? <laughs> Which is good. Yeah, is it's a good. wonderful place. It's a wonderful place. Um, let's see. What are three things creatives can do today to improve their visibility? Yeah, so that, this is one of those situations where I bluff it when I'm talking to students about it because I am bad at it. <laughs> I totally fake it. And I also, I'm like, do as I say, not as I do. I'm not a good example. I think because, um, I, I think because for me, being an artist is being in the studio, making the work. I mean, that's true for everybody. Nobody wants to spend an entire studio day on their computer editing photos or submitting applications. Um, but that's what you have to do. <laughs> yep. So <laughs> yes. And I'm still kind of waiting for my, uh, my work to take off in that way. A lot of that is my own fault for not putting it out there. Um, but then there's this other avenue where I think I and a lot of people want to be accepted by the gatekeepers. Do you know, like there's certain galleries or certain programs and there is a person in charge of it and we have to uh, impress that person. And um, I don't know that that's healthy or feasible, you know, and it's, it's also not really realistic. There aren't, and there's so many artists, there's no way that these few kind of venues or programs can show everybody's work. Right. Um, so what I'm hoping, and I've seen this pay off for other people, <laughs> so I'm hoping <laughs> that um, if you, if I sort of dedicate myself to what I'm passionate about, that eventually it'll work out. That my right. visibility will be raised kind of as, a natural byproduct of these right, right. <laughs> <laughs> check in in a couple of years and I'll let you know how that's well going. you know I'm actually thinking about um revamping my website mm -hmm. so that basically I think I'm gonna I'm, I may try it just because it's my website it doesn't matter if it's conformed or not you know yeah, um yeah. it and setting up multiple like Instagram accounts Mm -hmm. and and then embedding the Instagram accounts into my website so that it'll be continually updated because I think the biggest mm -hmm. thing that is like a headache is the the, the drag of, of yeah. time like you just the don't have enough time yeah. Yeah. And, yeah and and so I'm thinking like well if I simplify it 
So then it's like, okay, this is where I post this kind of stuff. This is where I post that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then automatically my website is updated. Yeah. I think also, obviously your, your network, your community of peers is really important too. And I mm-hmm. get, I have a lot of social anxiety about going to galleries and striking up conversations with people. I don't know what it is. Like I can go anywhere else. I can talk to somebody in the grocery store, but when it comes to like being in a gallery, I clam up. <laughs> um, so I think what, what I'm, what I enjoy is finding other ways to network with my peers that's sort of outside of that. So, um, in between undergrad and grad school, I had a studio in Tacoma Park where I sort of volunteered to run the life drawing session. I actually, I didn't even, I insisted that we have a life drawing session and then I made it happen <laughs> just as a way to like meet the models. Um, but also, you know, so I'm still great friends with a lot of the people who came to that session. Mm-hmm. Um, Kathy Carlson, I think, who is somebody in Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. She's yeah, in Greenbelt with me, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, somebody I met there. Um, uh-huh. And the critique group isn't, isn't, she's fantastic. I miss her. Yeah. Um, there's another, the, the critique group is another way, I think, to do that. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm thinking of this woman, I don't know, she kind of blew up on Instagram. She's a photographer named Jamie Beck. Mm-hmm. Um, she does commercial photography She's American. She and her husband live in Provence in France. And she, nice. I know. It's amazing. So when, quarant, when, when quarantine happened, um, all of her com- commercial gigs dried up because she couldn't travel and she couldn't interact with people. And her husband mm-hmm. sort of lost his work too. So they're, they have a baby and they were like, what, you know, we have to do something. So she dedicated herself to making one photograph. They're, um, they're sort of photo collages, but they're very realistic mm-hmm. looking, but it's not as simple. It's not as straightforward as just like taking a picture. Mm-hmm. And so she dedicated herself to making a photograph every day. And then she found a third party sort of printer shipper to sell it. And that's how she was going to make a living during quarantine. And the photos mm-hmm. are beautiful. They're dreamy sort of French countryside, amazing mm-hmm. photos, but but she was like, this, why, what took me so long to do this? Like, I, this is what I want to do anyway, just make work and sell it myself, you know? And and I thought, I was like, you know, that's great. You know, she found a workaround of the gatekeepers, you know, and she also yeah. shows in galleries and stuff like that, but it was a way for her to support her family for three to four months. Um, mm-hmm. It was amazing. You should check out. Yeah. I, I, I wrote it down. Cause I, yeah. And it's, cause I do think that that's the, probably the, weird byproduct of all of this is Mm -hmm. that okay so how do how do we work around it so we're now isolated yeah yeah. now I think creative people are are oddly best suited for for this yeah yeah because i think it's like okay well i need people how am i gonna do that well you know zoom let's do that i gotta find the people and i don't have to put on real pants right (laughs) i was like i was telling somebody like everybody's an anchor man now (laughs) like i wear my pajamas out here (laughs) all sorts of stuff yep yep yeah i do i think go back yeah yeah i think i think uh i i I have a number of friends who still work in law firms and the such, and um, I'm guessing like they're going to be jettisoning like a lot of um, the square footage that they've released. Why? Like the one argument has always been, we need to see you face to face to do our business. You know what that means? There's going to be vacant space for studios finally in all of these towns where it's too expensive they're going to be giving the space away I hope they're going to give please like like I I bet you we could develop an artist in residence program for corporate spaces I bet yeah we could we could because it used to you know it was the industrial space everybody wants those big warehouses with the amazing windows that mm -hmm. um you know from the turn of the century and they don't exist anymore they've all been developed but now we're going to have huge vacant office buildings. we can all have our studio yep. cubicles um do you think that the um the visibility issue is do you think it's different between like men and women I don't know if it's different between men and women. I wonder, I mean, I'm sure that it is, but I think there's, 
the imposter syndrome is probably the larger factor um, where, I don't know, I think I'm nervous about going to galleries and talking about my work because I'm like, I, maybe I don't belong here, maybe I'm not good enough. And I feel like if I were a man, I would just walk right in and be like, I'm the awesomest, put my work on your walls. Um, right. There was a- The swagger, you need to get the swagger. I have no swagger at all. I need to work with my swagger. <laughs> no, yeah. but I do think, I think like, um, you know, it's interesting because I think like I, as social as I am, I have anxiety about going and talking at galleries and, and the such. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, and yeah. I know that I should go and I should network, but it, there's also a thing to me that feels about a, a little bit like, um, being a user do you know what i mean like it's like so in the sense of i they know i'm going there to yeah. do x y and z yeah yeah, yeah 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 yes, absolutely and and so there's something that it's that trans is it's transparent you're like i'm only talking to you because i want you to do something for me yeah which yeah, is not hard. i mean part of that is true but then the other isn't but it, it's enough of a, a i'll say a perception Mm -hmm. that makes me feel kind of gross about it absolutely <laughs> yeah absolutely which is why if we have more swagger we would it wouldn't be them doing something for us it would be us doing something for them yes yes it's like yeah. it's like oh i'm gonna change the face of your your gallery it's gonna be yeah. awesome yeah i and I, I think a lot of that exists um just in i'll say regular i'll say uh day jobs applying for them mm -hmm. and I've talked about it before like in the sense of um a, a woman is going to be hard pressed she's got 95 percent of the skill set and mm -hmm. doesn't have the five percent it's in the job description that she may not apply for it right and yes a guy has that five percent but not the 95 percent that she has he's still gonna apply he's gonna apply yeah. the other thing too is I think there's um there's sort of the I think my my work has always been sort of weird and that it's not I mean it's from my point of view as a woman but it's not particularly feminist it's not sexy like I'm not mm -hmm. angsty you know? so yeah. I don't you know like I feel like a lot of women artists probably get pigeonholed and I don't conveniently fit into any of those pigeonholes um this is yeah this is a really great segue because I wanted to talk about this when my recommendations for artists to look at but one mm -hmm. of the big the big projects the biggest project I've ever done sort of intentionally where I sat myself down I was like I'm going to do this big project was a series of large narrative paintings based on Shakespeare plays Ooh, uh -huh. and um, I did that because I grew up in the Shakespeare family and um, also I just wanted to tell really great stories with my painting mm -hmm. and um, because I'm cheap and I like to work from life I sort of wound up playing all the characters like I used myself as the model for all of the Mm -hmm. characters and I presented it to galleries and I this is when I did have swagger and I was like this is the greatest series like this is my masterpiece like don't uh -huh. you want to put it in your gallery and um this is what I was saying in my head I was more humble when I was actually talking to people but they would look at it and they would just they were like why like why Shakespeare like what is this why uh -huh. and I'm I've thought I'm like well if a, if a man was doing that nobody would question them do you know yeah yeah. And I, th I even think now, like post Me Too, people might be more interested in like a woman playing all of these male mm -hmm. characters and, and working with Shakespeare. But yeah, it was, it was, yes, it was weird. I do wonder if those paintings have been made by somebody else, if they would have gone farther. Yeah. And I do, I, I mean, I think it's an interesting, because there's like, you know, I'll walk around. So I, I, and I've probably talked about this before too, but um, I'll walk around museums and the such and, and, mm -hmm. uh, and I'll go to outdoor shows and the things. And I, and I, I always call it, um, collecting twigs for my inferno. Yes. And, and cause, it's like, cause I'm like, okay, because I, I need some, I'm going to say element of rage, like that. Yeah. Why is that person getting like, you know, $2,000 for that painting or, you know, so I yeah. need to like have something that like fuels me and says, okay, if they're charging that, then I need to charge. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, I yeah. think you need to, uh, uh, an understanding that there 
not, your art's not going to be for everybody. Yes. And it is literally just about getting it in front of the right people. Yes. And I, yeah, I think about that all the time. And I'm like, who are my people? <laughs> Where are they? <laughs> I'm like, oh, how have they forsaken me? Where are my people? <laughs> yeah, I do. But I do. I think it's like, and I do think like, though, there are certain things where um, if, if a male did it, it just wouldn't, they, they wouldn't question it, you know, yeah. and, and I'm not sure that it's just where, like, uh, I'm going to say, like, uh, I don't know how to say this exactly. Like, I think women do that to other women as well. Yes. Yes. So I did get into her show one time and it was a portraiture show, which was weird, but I submitted one of these big Shakespeare paintings to a portraiture show and I got in and, um, I was so excited. It had 10 life-size figures in it. It was really complicated. And it was like, it was portraiture and that I used myself as a jumping off point, but it wasn't portraiture with a capital P. And right. so I went to the opening. This was in, um, in Maryland somewhere. And I met with the, uh, the juror and cause she was sort of finding all the artists and saying, Oh, take me to your painting. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I stood in front of mine and she goes, Oh, I I just wanted to give this one an E for effort. And she like totally ripped me a new one, which was so embarrassing. And she was like, she was like, this, this really isn't portraiture because of X, Y, and D, but it's a pretty good painting. And I was like, well, that's good because I made a painting, not a portrait. Um, and she was saying, now, where do you live? And I said, oh, I live mm -hmm. in Washington. And she said, oh, you know, you should take some figurative classes at the Corcoran. They have wonderful figurative classes. My mother went there. Um, she was an alumni. You would learn so much. And I was like, actually, I teach figurative classes at the Corcoran. And she did not miss a beat. She was like, well, I've heard that, that the quality of their education is really <gasps> going down the tubes. And I was so furious. And I, I'm like, what is her problem? And I don't know, but like, in hindsight, like a woman doing that to a, a much younger, clearly emerging artist woman, like she's yep. insane. I don't even remember this woman's name. I yeah. would so love to just like bump into her at some point and yeah. just take the high road for my own jollies. But like, ugh, I was like, what a horrible thing to do. Yeah. What well, and that's it. Like, where's the value in that? Do you know what I mean? Like, that's like, like how is that a value added conversation? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. She, she, I would love, I didn't listen to her conversations with any of the other artists, but I wonder if that's just like how she makes herself feel better is ripping other people to shreds. It was just so sad. <laughs> oh, that's like, yeah, that's like, I, and I mean, I think we've all had, uh, like I, 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 you know, I used to do like, um, like festivals and things like that and the, mm -hmm. and the such. And, uh, and I remember somebody coming into my, my area and going uh, like the husband wanted something mm -hmm. and the wife just came in and was just like I don't like it like I mean it was just yeah why like, come in if you feel that way like just wait outside go somewhere else it's not it's not necessary <laughs> first all I could say was like hey I get it fine you know it's not for everyone like I don't like because I couldn't be upset but if it had happened to me as a younger person it would have been crushing. It would have. It would have just, it would have been, they might as well have just eviscerated me, do you know? And, and mm -hmm. like, even as like, a, I'll say a fully fledged adult, like, mm -hmm. like there was that initial like twinge, like, oh, was that a knife I felt? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Ouch. <laughs> like, oh, oh, no, my mistake. Just a barb. <laughs> uh, so the, the like silver lining about that whole experience, I don't know why I didn't just leave immediately, but I mm -hmm. didn't. And I was so mad that I wound up kind of venting to these perfect strangers who were also, um, <laughs> in the show and uh -huh. they have since become good friends. Like we've collaborated on a couple of other projects and um, uh -huh. Erin was in the, the show that I curated at Montgomery college and her husband's a musician and, and um, he, he entered VB on his blog. So it was like an, oh, nice. it was, uh -huh. yeah, it, it was like one of those things that like the last question sort of raised my visibility. We were able to raise each other's visibility after this, I just like cornered these strangers and was like, let me tell you what just happened. And that would, I would never have had that conversation had I not been so mad. Right. It's like, I just need to vent immediately. Like my yeah. head will blow off if the steam does not come. 
Yeah, so silver lining. I, I've forgotten Meanie Lady's name, but I'm still in touch with these other people. <laughs> but you know, I, I think it's really interesting, like the, um, like this little pattern that you have of taking things and, uh, and like that could have been bad, like the rejection and the such and the, and yeah. really kind of leveraging it into like, I'm going to say like reforming it. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't just don't take it and let it lie there mm -hmm. and, and, and dwell on it. It's just like, there's yeah. almost a, a, a not acceptable. I don't know. Yeah, no, I have to move through it. And that's definitely a part of my upbringing. We used to make fun of my grandmother. Um, she was a real Pollyanna. I don't know if that's the always look on the bright side type. Yeah, uh -huh. And she was actually a columnist. She was the society columnist for her local newspaper. And she was so good at embellishing and quote, looking on the bright side that people would read the reviews of their own events and be like, man, I wish I'd been at that party. So like, that's, that's definitely from, uh, from family history. <laughs> like, that's good. That's a, that's a, that's another good advice. Like how to like, you know, so it's like, I think it's great. Um, is there anyone that you can think of that you think is a good example of getting their stuff out there? I think Jamie Beck might be one yeah jamie beck is one there's so many i would even venture to say that everybody i know is better at it than i <laughs> but um richard hearns the artist that was uh -huh. in um that i had in the critique group a few weeks ago mm -hmm. he's the person i point to because he's he's so good at it he's so genuine and authentic um like he uh, he manages to do all those things we were discussing without it coming off as the least bit smarmy or off-putting. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because he's genuinely so interested in the conversation, not so much the outcome, but he's genuinely mm -hmm. such a people person. Um, and his he has the whole package, you know, like he's got, he has amazing work. He has a strong website, a really good newsletter. He uses Instagram really effectively. Um, he like, his in-person skills are also great. Like the first time I met him, um, he uh, followed up with like a handwritten note on stationery printed with one of his pieces. And I'm like, why am I not doing that? Like, it's so easy. It is such a personal, it's so great. It's such a personal touch. So yeah, yeah I, th I think he's, um, he's a master as far as people I know personally. He's really yeah. great. His, well, like his, Instagram account like uh it's just it's Dreaming. it's kind of it's yeah it's luscious do you know it's just like yeah. like it's and part, like, of, part of that is like his work is amazing but he also lives in an insanely beautiful part of the world which doesn't hurt and he's very smart about um weaving that into his sort of social mm -hmm. media pre presence yeah, I, I will tell you how uh, I've been keeping myself sane during <laughs> isolation is <laughs> somehow I am fixated on um, uh, buying a house in Ireland. Oh, yeah. Like, and and yes. that's literally like, I, I, I'm like, let's look. And then I'm like, show, like, oh, you know, here, hubby, what do you think of this one? Like, oh, isn't this divine? You know, and I'm like, yeah. is it ever going to come to fruition? I don't know, but I might as well dream about it. Do you know? If it it's does, like, can I come visit you, please? Absolutely. Well, part <laughs> of it is I want a place where I could do like a little artist residency, not necessarily a huge one, but yeah. where you could have people come and be like, there you go. Come yeah. Because I'm going to need socialization. And so, I mean, yes. that'll be part of the, the, the application process is will you be willing to socialize with me? Will you me? hang out with me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I so, will basically be buying my friends. <laughs> well, that was one of the funny things. So I guess I should have explained about Richard. That I, Richard is Irish. He lives in Ireland. And I met him doing a residency there. And the town where the residency is, um, is tiny. There's 200 mm -hmm. permanent residents. And it's sort of on like a tourist area. So if you're new in town, people notice you and they know that if you're there for more than like four hours, that you're an artist who's there to work at the 
college or, or uh -huh. doing, and so pe like pe strangers it was this was the most comfortable i've ever been like networking and talking to people because uh -huh. you don't even have to open your mouth and they're like so what how's your studio work like tell me what you're working on up there and it was so wonderful to just be able to interact with people on that mm -hmm. level and not have mm -hmm. to like explain yourself or um i don't know justify i'm an artist but i'm also a teacher you know blah 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 right, it, was, right, right. it was really nice yeah, really and probably just the fact that you're like you're allowed. I think that's the benefit of residencies in the sense mm -hmm. of, I think artists wear so many hats to try to pay the bills, you know. But I think when you get to go to a, a residency, you mm -hmm. get to just be an artist. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like you get to stew in it. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It really, and I I didn't realize it until I went and you know, did my, my first one. And, and, um, I was like, Oh, Oh, cause you know, every oh, that's, person. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, this is how I want to live forever. <laughs> is this a problem if I just like go from residency to residency? <laughs> so let me, let me throw out one more name to you. Um, yes. speaking of residencies, there's, it's a gallery slash residency. It's called the Ooh gallery. O U. Okay. It's on Vancouver Island in Canada. Ooh, that sounds delightful. Exactly. Ooh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we now know it's aptly named. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, you, uh, let's see, I, I went, I was actually supposed to go for the second time this summer, but of course the border's closed, so we're not going. But it's, it's a young couple who, are, they're both artists, and they, they live in like a moderately sized town and but they they wanted to be surrounded by artists so they bought a house that was bigger than what they needed and they run a gallery and a residency kind of out of their home there's two mm -hmm. separate apartments but um it's such a great model for what you're talking about like being being able to have this like constant roster of amazing artists kind of coming in um, yeah because i think that that's one of the things i think that's important about being i'll say creative artists whatever is that that um, that contact, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Like, because I think so much of the work can be solitary work. Mm -hmm. And, and so, um, if there's a way to, um, you know, kind of feed and also advance your own practice, because when you learn mm -hmm. about, especially like the people who don't do work like you do, mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, I think it's wonderful. wonderful. Yeah. I think that's what teaching is for me. It's a way to just surround myself with creative people all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's see. Can you name two of your favorite contemporary female artists? One who may be known by a broader audience and one who you think should be famous. So I couldn't narrow it down to two. I have five or six. That's great. No, I <laughs> love it. I'm sorry. I'll try to go quickly. No, so, no, no. Take your time. We got ample time. <laughs> We're in quarantine. Um, <laughs> So I was thinking like my, my interest in the figure means that I'm always sort of looking for people who are breaking out of the figure, how the way it's been used historically, which is, as you said, like mostly white men looking at other people. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So I love, um, these are like my big name people, Jenny Saville. Um, okay. I've loved her work for years, but she has also done a series with her children, like a motherhood series that are sort of roughly based on Madonna iconography, but they're not religious at all. So I, mm -hmm. I'm making work about my family and my son, and I'm always worried that it's going to be too cute or like that people are going to be like, oh, it's just family stuff. Like it's just my right. stuff. Um, so I, I really love that she's making like super serious, amazing work about her family life. Um, and then I love Paula Rego, who's Portuguese. Um, she lives in London. And she was somebody that I thought about a lot when I was doing the Shakespeare paintings because she's another one who will just borrow from literature and she doesn't feel any need to apologize for it or explain it. So I was like, Paula Rego's doing it. I can do it too. Do you know? Um, yeah, so yeah. She's, she's doing like Bronte novels and Peter Pan and, um, you know, like the classics. And uh, it's great. It's so good. Uh, and, you know, big figurative, amazing things. And uh -huh. then Ky Kyle Staver is American. Um, her, she has a daughter who is a student at MICA, I think. Um, and she's another one who makes beautiful figurative work. And in the past 
couple of years, I guess since I've been following her for maybe five or eight years, it's been based in Greek mythology and also sometimes biblical stories. So she's um, somebody else who's, who's working with these like grand narratives. And mm -hmm. I don't know too much about her, but I feel like her star has really kind of taken off um, later in life. She's, she, she's been known probably for her whole career as a painter's painter, but she just um, maybe three years ago won an award, I think, from the American Association of Arts and Letters, Society mm. of Arts and Letters, mm -hmm. some, you know, a huge thing like that. So I'm like, okay, like, life is long. It doesn't have to happen overnight. Just keep doing what you're doing. Yep. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's a marathon, um, not a sprint. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I also just um, sort of accidentally, I, well, it wasn't an accident because I totally stopped her, but she gave, <laughs> she gave a panel discussion with uh -huh. one of my grad school mentors, um, Deborah Kahn, about three weeks after my son was born. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going. It was like the first the first time, like the first thing that I did away from him for myself that wasn't, you know, like going to the grocery store or going to mm -hmm. a doctor or whatever. And so I went and because um, one of the co-panelists was one of the, one of my grad school mentors in the middle of the panel, this woman, Deborah, my mentor, she was like, Catherine, how's the baby? And I was like, oh my God, he's great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> and then, um, and then Kyle Staver and the other panelists who were, were also um, mothers were like, don't try to do anything. They were giving me like art mom advice. They're like, don't try to do anything in the first year. Like, it's going to be fine. You'll figure it out. You'll, the studio practice will come back. And I'm like full of mom hormones and just like bawling in this room full of people. <laughs> but that was, it was like all of the advice that I didn't know that I needed at exactly the time when I really needed to hear it. So. Right. Oh my gosh. That's too funny. That's like a yeah. movie, like a movie scene. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. It was. It really was. So that, I, I love her work and I, she's great. That's the, the only like in-person interaction I've had with her, but um yeah. Okay. So those right. are my, my big right. ones. And then my, my lesser, I mean, they're, they're, they are also pretty well known, but I want, I want to toot their horns more widely. Sure, please. Okay. So more people kind of not old white guys looking at other bodies. <laughs> um, there's this woman, she's Nigerian and she lives and works in LA. I saw her work last summer at the Venice Biennial. Uh -huh. um, but let me, let me see if I can get this right. Jadeka Akunili Crosby. She's, the, her paintings are amazing. They're huge. And she builds them on top of sort of like a, um, what do you call it? Not collage, but decoupage. Like, so she'll decoupage her canvases with um, sort of Nigerian, sort of like newspaper fashion ad, you know, like the insert that you get. So just like, like popular images and then she's making work sort of about her dual identity as an American and a Nigerian. And they're just, they're oh, so beautiful and they're so thoughtful. Um, and yeah, so I love her. Um, and another person I found who's not a woman, but leads to my next person who was also at the Venice Biennial was um, Michael Armitage, who's uh -huh. another African artist who sort of splits his time um, between London and I want to say Kenya, but I could be wrong. Um, so the two of them I discovered at the same time and I was like, oh, sort of light, lights going off. <laughs> um, and then my interest in them led me to this woman who's a curator, not an artist. Her name is uh -huh. Koyo, Koyo um, Kuo, I believe. She's the um, director of the Zeitz Mocha Museum of Contemporary African Art in Cape Town. It's the largest museum dedicated to African contemporary art. Um, so I'm, I don't know much about her, but I'm so interested in her work and the people she's curating into her museum. So she's a really good Instagram follow. Um, okay. And the museum is too, just to like get turned on to, to other artists. I really, and they're also hosting a series of um, discussions that are all online so it's, they're great artist talks that you can listen to right now oh, while you're at home in your pajamas <laughs> <laughs> and then the the last person the most recent person 
to like really blow my mind who's making figurative work is a photographer and it's um their name is golden like single single name mm -hmm. golden and you can find them on instagram they go by golden them and they prefer the they them pronouns um and it's it's a it's a black trans activist from boston and the piece that just floored me was um a photograph where they were in a in a past life they had been a competitive tennis player so it's a picture of them in um this beautiful sort of yellow dress playing tennis that's been superimposed on an image of their neighborhood tennis court and the mm -hmm. caption is i just want to play tennis in my yellow dress and come home unbothered and i just thought like that is so powerful <laughs> mm -hmm. it's such a, yeah it's such a powerful sentiment and such a powerful image and then there's if you find it on instagram there's a whole like paragraph huge like statement about the piece that's really really yeah. mind-blowing um like i am always um so impressed with people who make art that i'm gonna say is naked Mm -hmm. do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, really like, honest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like it's just stripped down to like, and and like just the simplicity of of getting mm -hmm. that. It's the clarity, you know. Like yeah. this is what I want to say. Like I'm always just so impressed with that because I'm like, oh, like uh, mine. I, I, sometimes I feel like I make art that's a bit more of a maze, do you know? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, um, and so I just when I can see like that, I'm going to say minimalist, mm -hmm. even though the subject matter might it's not very be direct. Yeah. It's very yes, direct. Yes, yeah. yeah. And I also think, I also think we're at a time now where it's like the perfect storm of conditions for um, these stories that have been consistently swept under the rug and ignored to have a moment, do you know, mm -hmm. we yeah. have platforms like Instagram where you don't have to wait for the museum to, display your piece you can yeah. talk directly to people and it can go viral and I also think that having more of these stories out in the world is maybe the antidote to our current political climate where mm -hmm. it's impossible to empathize with other people and we're falling into these really you know camps really separate camps and yeah. I just get really excited by people making work like you're discussing and getting it out there and having it be seen it's so it's um it's it's beautiful. It's necessary yeah. and really exciting. I think it's exposing like life. Like it's, you yeah. know, yeah. like in the sense of you want books that talk about life or, you know, or magic or, you know, mm -hmm. like you, you, things like that, like that, that, that the characters show a diverse representation. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, I'm hope, I think the hope is that this moment is an opportunity for a reckoning and a broadening and um yeah we'll, we'll see what happens yeah they, yeah well we will see like uh one can only hope that change is afoot um is there an artistic practice that is separate from your business does that question apply to you <laughs> i don't know like i feel like my i don't have a business like my business is education i suppose so yeah. i i don't know i one of my instructors um, Susanna Coffey, who taught the class that I took at the Art Institute, mm -hmm. she encouraged all of us to have a, what, a quote, art sport, which is something that you just do for fun. That's mm -hmm. in your discipline, but it's not the work with a capital mm -hmm. W. Um, and hers are sort of plein air night paintings. She's a figure uh -huh. of painter. Uh -huh. Yeah, she does a lot of self-portraits, but she does these plein air night paintings. So I guess Yes, I have a, a couple of little art sports where um, I also do plein air paintings. Um, I knit, I sew. I, you know, I have a lot of, I have a lot of sort of artsy craftsy projects that I do when I need a break from life and or the work, the studio. Uh -huh. Yeah, I like that art sports. That's yeah, it's fun, and it's. I yeah. think it's it's another way to sort of battle. Um, artist block or inertia where you, oh i'm just gonna go to the studio and work on this thing that doesn't matter right, right. Like it doesn't matter this one doesn't matter and it right. kind of no pressure together. yeah yeah but then it's also been being in quarantine with my family has been really interesting because what i found is um 
that I, I have this skill set of making like little bitty plain air gouache paintings that only take a couple of hours. Uh -huh. um, so I've, I'm like, oh, I could just do that. And, and it doesn't, they don't have to be landscapes. Like they could be stuff that's more related to my quote unquote regular studio practice. So right. it's been really interesting. Like it's, it's now it's flowing back the other way that, that, uh, that practice is become is sort of becoming the work right now. Yeah, that's I um I do a lot of playing in here, which like you can luckily this is <laughs> up because if you saw like I'm literally like I'm like four hundred square feet and I'm like right here. You know, that's yeah. like <laughs> it's like don't venture beyond. <laughs> but I do, I like do a lot of like little experimenting and playing like this type of thing that I, you know, I've been playing with different types of papers and inks and all sorts of stuff mm -hmm. um, and it's just a fascinating process to me where can we find you okay I have um, I have a website that I need to update it's not super current but it's, mm -hmm. it's um, k2art.net that's my nickname k2 Art. like, .net. like okay. in mountain for <laughs> 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 my initials yeah right. k2art.net and then also on my Instagram, which is at KMNight2, and the night has a K. So K-M-K-N-I-G-H-T-2. Mm -hmm. And you oh. can come take my classes at the college. <laughs> All right, lovely. <laughs> um, yeah. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that I should have asked you? I don't think so. I feel like we covered so much ground. Um, some of my students have been asking me about sort of art and parenting uh, and or art making during quarantine. Those are some conversations that I've been having with people. I feel like the answer to both is um, be kind to yourself, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, like celebrate small victories. If you manage to work for five minutes, like that counts. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, and maybe um, maybe adjust your expectations uh, if you're used to making giant easel paintings, but you can't get to your studio. Don't try to make giant easel paintings in your living room. Maybe that works great, but like I, I'm like I have to scale down. I, you know, so just be kind to yourself. Like look, look for look for yeah. ways. Set yourself up for success. Look, your, look for ways to to make it work. Okay. Or take a break. Taking a break is also fine. Yeah, ruminate. Yeah. Right? Like figure out when you can get back to like a, a space where it's large or I yeah. mean that's actually what I've um figured I'm gonna do with between here and the, the my other studio mm -hmm. is um I'm actually gonna strip that down somewhat and do larger things in there because I don't have any wall that mm -hmm. I can do larger mm -hmm. things, but I have this deep-seated need right now to do something larger yeah and I have no idea where it comes from I have no idea but I'm like clearly like a, like it's it's hanging around for the last couple of months you want to do something big so yeah so that's what I've decided is like I'll, I'll use that space because it's suited to it yeah that's great you know? I know yeah. can you think of any any questions that we haven't covered uh <laughs> Do you, uh, do you have any like shows or anything coming up soon? Um, I have online or otherwise. No, I have a piece in a show right now um, at the Amory Gar Sculpture Garden uh -huh. and Gallery, uh -huh. which is a beautiful space in Maryland, uh -huh. on Solomon's Island, Maryland. Um, that's supposed to come down in September, so I don't. I don't know. It's, I don't think anybody can go there. So they, they do have a virtual exhibit um, mm -hmm. that's on their website. So you can, you can walk through, uh, mm -hmm. you can walk through the gallery online. I was supposed to have a show as part of the residency in Canada, but that's not happening. So no, I don't really have anything else on the horizon right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, I'm for, um, August I've decided I'm but I'm not going to teach it I'm going to I'm going to make August my uh my own personal residency like Your I'm going to vacation residency yeah exactly yeah. Like, because I'm like you know I I feel like I've just been running trying to readjust everything 
Mm-hmm. And so I'm just going to take the month of August, like, you know, my birthday's then. So it's like my Aww. gift to me, right? Yeah, like, I'll be like, so can't go anywhere. So <laughs> yeah, that's great. I feel like yeah. there's, there's something else I was going to say. Oh, I used to be in a really good rhythm. My, my husband works um, at the Kennedy Center. So oh, he's, he works nights and weekends. And um, I was in a really good rhythm before things went crazy where I had a standing Thursday night date with a babysitter who would come. And then I would take like two hours to do all of my show applications and website Uh updates and all of that administrative stuff that I hate doing so much. Mm -hmm. But I haven't done that since, you know, things went crazy since March. So I need to, I need to maybe, I found that I had to if I tried to do it during studio time, I would just make studio work. Like I would never want to take time away from actual studio time. Right. So I I just didn't do it for years. Like I didn't apply to shows. I didn't Mm -hmm. do any of that stuff for years until I sort of carved out a time, a specific dedicated time for that. So yeah, I I guess I need to get that going again. Yeah. That's I've just started looking at other opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, Just, I think I, I think I've uh, maybe applied to a, a show the first time in in months, like maybe three weeks ago, something like that. Uh, yeah. Because it's like, well, what are you going to do with it? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I can't, well, can I just put it on my own, like, you know, Instagram? And like, there you go. <laughs> yeah. We'll all be Jamie Beck. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> We're going to invent our own little gallery our space, system. digital world. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Thank you. So this was fantastic. So yeah. fun. Always so fun a pleasure. Yes. Thank you. <laughs>